Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible Berry Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The idea behind the show is simply asking guests what they would tell a stranger on a plane if they were sitting next to them and the stranger asked them for advice. The scenery is passing very fast, but the seer is constant. The one who's seeing is the same. Let me appreciate you for asking a question that I haven't been asked after 2,500 or so uh, interviews over the years. Uh, you have to drop the EGO, which is everyone's greatest obstacle. In 2008, Grant and I had been married for four years. I was pregnant with my first child. Um, we were, the economy was collapsing and we were on the verge of losing everything financially. So welcome back everybody to the latest edition of today's Enlightened Passenger Show. And at the same time, uh, I wanna welcome you to today's Enlightened Passenger. So John Gray, so excited to have you here with me today, John. John, with this show, we have a little less time than my other longer form show. And so I'm gonna jump in probably with some big questions right off the top. Uh, so this might be a really big question, but what does the idea of legacy mean to you? Uh, well, legacy for me is just my children, uh, uh, living a great life, but also for me, uh, my, my daughter, Lauren has a great website and she teaches my message. Since as long as my message, I've, I've had a good effect in the world. I wanted to carry on. And so she is my legacy. Mm, wow. So I was going to ask you this question, and maybe it's not as relevant, knowing that that's your legacy. But earlier in your life, did you look at legacy like something that you had to be intentional about creating? Or did you look at it like, I'm just going to do the work, and then whatever happens, happens? Well, for me, I have I feel my desires to help other people. And I'm always in the moment. Okay, so I don't think about the future. I have no attachment to the future. Although, as my daughter grew up and adopted my website and started creating courses with me, I went, this is great. It will carry on. It will carry on. But I've never had the feeling or the wish to carry on. Uh, as far as legacy, it's never come up in my awareness. But what does come up in my mind is wanting to be of service to the world and wanting that message to carry on. And I think with men are from Mars, women are from Venus, it is a bit of a legacy. <laughs> People say my parents read that book and I'm reading it now. So I think it's carrying going further. And so, I mean, maybe this is a, a foolish question, but I'm, I am curious. 
you, you like a, you bands like, for example, you see bands like the Rolling Stones and they're playing Satisfaction 50 years after they started. Uh, and I often think as a musician myself, obviously not at that level, but I think, you know, oh, I wonder how if it would be hard to play the same songs over and over. My question out of that is, are you still as passionate about relationships as you were when you started? Well, you know, there's some people pretty much they can sing the same song over and over. And uh, my daughter can do that. Uh, she can read a script and 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 it's already written out for her and, and she'll just do it like it's the first time. You know, that's what a really a great actor can do. And she was an actress and so forth. Uh, for me, I can't do that. I had a Broadway show, for example, for eight days, nine days at the biggest theater when it was their black time, I filled it up. And I realized I could never, ever do this because uh, every show was different. I have 28 books to come from. I'm in a conversational moment with my audiences. I I respond to the problems. Otherwise, I have no passion. OK, I'm just a big blank slate. I've, I've done it all. I'm validated. I'm happy. I'm a meditator. I, I can meditate for hours. But what happens, what gets me moving, I'm 70 years old, I have tremendous passion. If there's a problem, I'm right there to solve it. So I do interviews, I just, I counsel people, I hear their problems, and I'm totally into enjoying being present for them. So that's, I think we're all different types of people. I could never say the same thing over and over and over. So all my books are really the same idea, how we can have more love in our lives expressed in 28 different ways. So that, I mean, I have to ask you now about that with the Broadway, um, was that, was, so was that you doing the show? Like, were you on the stage doing well, the I show? Do have, I do have two shows that travel around the country and, and many other countries. And, but no, I just stood up there and taught a seminar to the audience. It's just, I can do it in a two hour format. I can do it in a really funny way. So it's very entertaining. I love big audiences. I, it seems like the comp, the, there's a comedian inside of me that comes out when I'm talking about relationships. And you'll see so many of the comedians today are following in my wake, you know, about men from bars, just talking about the differences of men and women. They have their own their own creativity, without a doubt. But pretty much the theme is always what I put out back in those days. And I still put out. I still enjoy it. I go to other countries. I do stand up shows. But for me, it's never just for the sake of comedy, but it's always giving someone a piece of advice after it. You know, it'd be like a, a simple one is women, men, we're different. And, you know, women will often say, you know, they'll be a little upset and the guy will say, well, what's the matter? And she'll say nothing. And he'll think, OK, I thought it was something and walk away <laughs> rather than realizing you're supposed to stand there and be concerned and say, well, what is it? Help me understand that better. And then she'll talk. Uh, but a woman will not understand men and she'll say, what's the matter? And he'll say no nothing. He means there's nothing I want to talk about <laughs> and stay away for a while. So, you know, it's funny, but then I also give a point, which is men go to their caves. Women don't pursue the cave or dig tunnels deeper into the cave. You need to like give him his space and then he'll come back. But if you're pushing into his space, he tends to pull further and further away. Very common examples people can relate to. And, and today, Corey, just because I, I know people are listening to this, some people, some women are going, well, that's me. I don't want him bumping into my cave. And I'll just say, well, that's because you become more masculine. You're more independent. So you're going to relate more to the Mars things. However, for your happiness, again, for your happiness, you need to find the part of you that would like to talk and have him enter you. And, and she goes, well, if I do that, he'll just 
give solutions. And then now we're back to the basic Mars Venus. If a woman talks, men ask questions. Don't try to solve them. Don't try to fix them. And then I could always, if on stage, I'd say, uh, you know, I got un endless jokes. I can, cause I have a, I live this, you know, my wife comes home, she's complaining about her job. I say, honey, I'm rich. You can quit that job. She says, John, I don't want to quit my job. I know I, <laughs> I just want to talk about some of my issues and then I'll feel fine again. So men don't understand women, it creates frustration for women and vice versa. So we have to learn these differences in a positive way. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. And so that that totally uh, explains what type of show as well. And I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think with that, because of that sense of humor, I'm sure the one thing is when you're doing a talk like that, new jokes and new humorous thing probably even happen to you while you're on stage. I feel well, like exactly. I get, always get a few good ones while I'm on stage. Those are those are my delight. The problem is I can't always remember them like those two I just gave to you. They're standard. I can always do that. But it gets me rolling. Because once the audience is rolling, there's an energy reaction inside of us. And then I come up with some really good ones. And in the beginning, what I used to do is I'd have somebody travel with me. And I just said, every time, every time you get laughter in the audience, write down the sentence that I said. And those were my best talks, because then I'd have him read those sentences. And then I'm, I'm ready to go out with, with just knowing a few one-liners. And then, boom, my brain just starts producing one-liners. Uh, that was a good time in my life. But it was more for entertainment. Now I'm entertainment, but also more serious about helping people solve their problems. So let me dive into a different direction. Um, I'd love to ask you this because I, I, I mean, I'm always curious what comes out when I ask people this. But what's the thing that you think? And of course, it should be a thing that you want people to know. But what's the thing you think that the average person doesn't realize about John Gray? Well, the average person, particularly today, does not understand that anytime, anytime, anytime you're frustrated with your partner, upset with your partner, you're wrong. <laughs> you're not you're coming from a place of thinking, you know, what's right. And you're misinterpreting the situation. You're always misinterpreting the situation. If you're taking things personally, if you're getting upset about things, you're misinterpreting. And so my whole thing is it's kind of like if I was to go to Japan they speak a different language. If I just speak my language, nothing's going to happen. We have to really reinterpret what's going on. And therefore, we tend to take things personally. Now, I'll just use an example I used before. A man tends to process stress by withdrawing. I need to be alone for a while. If a woman, if she's in touch with her female side, okay, the way she processes stress, and also if she's effective in processing stress, and most women today aren't, she would know that I need connection. I need to open up. I need to share. When women share what's going on inside and they feel heard, their stress level goes down. When men stop sharing and take some time to be independent on your own, be quiet for a while, do something you like to do, you're good at, your stress level will go down. Then if you want to share, you can, but you don't share in order to lower your stress level. And this has been a big misleading thing in our culture today, which is psychology they're leading people in the wrong direction. Okay, now I have empathy for them because I'm a writer. How did I come up with my ideas? How does any psychologist who writes about relationships come up with their ideas? Well, 90% of the people who come to us are women. So we naturally think that everybody's like this, but men are not like that. And so when I started, and I knew men are not like that simply because I was a monk for nine years. I had five brothers. I have high self-esteem. I'm not like that. I don't need to do that. I'm doing just fine here. And men respond if I approach them the way I deal with my stress, 
which is like if something's bothering me, forget it temporarily. Don't worry about it. Stop it. Don't get in touch with about thinking about what you feel. Go do something that makes you feel good. And once you feel good, then if you want to talk about something that's bothering you, if you're more on your female side, do it. But don't go to your female side to process stress. And biologically, biologically, that's a fact. When men talk about feelings, estrogen goes up. When women talk about feelings, estrogen goes up and their stress level goes down. Men's stress level does not go down when estrogen goes up. Men's stress level actually goes higher when men's estrogen goes up. Testosterone, testosterone, like a seesaw, testosterone is the hormone that lowers stress in men. So at any time a man's emotionally upset, his testosterone is low. So the first thing he needs to do is something to bump up his testosterone, not something to bump up his estrogen. It's the craziest world. Psychology is completely wrong, pushing men into being like women. And our culture is pushing women. You're not a successful woman unless you're like a man. You don't get respect unless you're like a man. We don't respect a mother. We don't respect a homemaker. We don't respect that at all in our culture anymore. Women have been pushed to their male side. Now, somebody can hear me and right now misinterpret what I'm saying as if I'm saying women shouldn't be on their male side. I say, great, be on your male side, but don't give up your female side to do that. That's an important thing. So that's what I teach people. That's my, you know, my most recent book is Beyond Mars and Venus, because we used to have roles that would help us be in hormonal balance. If you're not going to have roles to help you be in hormonal balance, then you need to be self-conscious enough to look at if I'm stressed, what do I need to think? feel and do in order, if I'm a woman, to raise my estrogen and other female hormones. And for a man, what do I have to do in order to push down my female hormones and get over to my male side if I'm stressed? So this is like important information to the world because we're going in the wrong directions. And you can see the symptom of it. Everybody's confused about their identity. Am I a guy? Am I a woman? Am I this or I'm that? You know, this is a real sickness that this philosophy that I teach can cure it without having to change your body. Hmm. Wow. It's like a mic drop moment. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's probably a, a good segue to ask you the two main questions I want to ask today, John. So one of them I call the time machine question. I've asked this question thousands of times and uh, and I still, I mentioned it earlier, like the Rolling Stones thing. I still enjoy it because the answers are often different. It's not always the same answer. But the first question I have is around if you could jump into a time machine and go back and talk to a younger John Gray. Uh, and give him some life advice based on what you've learned in the years since. I'm curious what you might tell a younger John. Uh, I say to the younger John, the teenager, I figured this out by the time I was 18. But to the younger teenager, I'd say what my mother told me is, John, you can have sex when you get older. You don't need to do it now. You're going to have so much fun when you're older. And now, not what my mother told me, but what I would say to myself as well, and don't masturbate. If you masturbate, it's an addiction. You lose your life force. You lose your intelligence. You, you, your, your moodiness, your extremeness, it's all coming from your masturbation. I finally figured that out when I was 18. I actually became a celibate monk and all my emotional problems went away. A lot of kids today are learning that with this whole movement called No Fab, which is learning to give up pornography, stop masturbating, and you know find other things to do to create testosterone. You see, if you're not feeling productive in your life, you have to start taking risks to be productive in order to feel productive. You have to do that. That raises your testosterone and gives your life meaning. You feel, oh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in touch with who I am. I feel good. Now, 
When you don't feel good, the easy road to feeling testosterone is masturbation, watching porn, masturbating. You get a surge of testosterone, you feel great, and then it goes down even further. So what we see now in the young generation, they're just 20 years ago, a 20 year old had 20% more testosterone. And that was half of what it used to be when I was growing up. <laughs> I mean, the males are just going down if they're masturbating all the time, it's a real big problem. And, and so that's what I would say to myself, John, it, you know, it feels good. It's gonna feel much better when you put it inside of a woman as you get older and you only do that with love. Find somebody you love and then do it and just be patient. Wow. So, uh, John, this question, uh, I'll call it my last official question. I mean, obviously, I want to ask you really quickly about how people can learn more and get the new book. But um, before I jump ahead to that, my last question, which I think you might think isn't that the same question, but I'll tell you the difference between it. It's it's not a younger John that you would give the advice to. So I shared this with you kind of off air. Uh, th this show being the enlightened passenger, the one question we ask every guest is if you were sitting on a plane next to a passenger, a stranger, let's say, and, and whether they know who you are or not, but they lean over and say, you know, I, I need some advice. What do you got? What do you think you might tell that stranger on a plane? Well, it depends on whether they're a man or a woman. <laughs> you got to give me a few more pieces here uh, and, and how old they are. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Let's just put it out there. Then let's say it's um, a female that's 50 in her fifties. Okay. And is she married or is she single? Uh, married. Okay. At 50 years old, you know, you've probably just gone through menopause. And so there's a big drop in your estrogen levels. And a lot of people think you now need to take estrogen. In some cases, maybe that's true. But the reality is your body does continue making estrogen if you lower your stress levels, because estrogen can be produced by your ovaries, which are gone now. But you have, a cord you have an adrenal gland. Your adrenal gland, if you're not stressed out, can produce plenty of estrogen. And so what happens is women start to lose interest in sex. And if you're married, you enjoy the romance. That's why we get married to a certain extent. We love someone, we enjoy the romance. And you've probably experienced kind of like routine setting in, or maybe even sex is not so enjoyable. Well, that's often because you're not having enough sex or your interest in sex is that you're not getting the emotional support you need outside the bedroom. So read my book for that. But right now, I just want you to know that if you start having sex on a regular basis again, even if you're not enjoying it so much, just the male penetration of your vagina is one of the biggest estrogen stimulators, but you need lots of foreplay. So I'm gonna give sexual advice to any 50 year old woman, <laughs> which is you need to be having sex because you, you're not in the mood for sex. You see women, are different from men quite commonly, whereas a man wants to have sex because it raises his testosterone. But a woman doesn't want to have sex until her estrogen levels go very high, and then she wants to have sex. I'll say that again. Men are like, I want to have sex. Women are like, I'm not really in the mood. Well, you have to get in the mood, which is him doing things for you that raises your estrogen. Then your testosterone will rise up. So testosterone follows estrogen for women. For men, estrogen follows testosterone. His testosterone goes up, then his estrogen starts to rise where he starts to feel, oh, I love you so much, honey. I love you so much. So you should tell your husband in sex when you do have sex. The next thing is he should tell you 
oh, reassuring romantic phrases, kind of corny things. You should say, do you love me? And he should say, yes, honey, I love you so much. You're the number one person for me. I'm so glad I married you. Every time you have sex, he should say, I'm so glad I married you. While you're having sex, you see, you want to keep him in touch with his emotions, keep his estrogen up. And for her, vulnerability is saying, well, do you love me? Do you care about me? Am I the only one? You promise you'll never leave me. See, these are sweet romantic things couples say in the beginning, but they stop saying it later. So people will say, why can't we have feelings like we had in the beginning? Well, you stop doing the stuff you did in the beginning. So you have to start identifying what those things are. And so you wouldn't just spring this on him in the middle of making love, like, do you love me? He's going to probably go, well, of course I love you. I'm married to you. What do you think? <laughs> you have to say it another time. As a woman, I need higher levels of estrogen. It makes me have bigger orgasms. Just say that to him. He'll listen. And then what you say is, is, so by doing that, I have to become vulnerable and say things like, do you love me? And you'll say, of course, I love you, honey. You're so beautiful. And you'll never leave me. You promise you'll never leave me. I'll never leave you. Are you happy you married me? You say, I'm happy you married me. Just those phrases, those words take the energy from the groin up into the heart and up into the mind and give you a full body orgasmic experience. So that's some of the stuff I would say to that woman who's married who's 50 years old. <laughs> don't give up on sex. The reality is people just don't know how to have sex correctly. And if you're having sex twice a week, that instead of once a week, that can also hamper your arousal in sex. Women need time to miss it and then it comes back. And men actually need time to miss it and their testosterone levels will be 50% higher. And that's proven in research. For a, for a 25 year old man, he has sex on Saturday night, he has sex on, it goes back to baseline. Testosterone goes back to baseline. Then he has sex on Tuesday. It goes up and it goes back down to baseline. And baseline over time just gets lower and lower as, a, as seen in national statistics. Now, if a man has sex on Saturday night and doesn't ejaculate for six days, on the seventh day, his testosterone increases 50%. And that's measurable. Don't have too much success. Don't have too much sex, but don't skip sex. You got to keep doing it rhythmically. And then suddenly you're 70 years old like me and your testosterone level is always 50% higher than a young man. That's the potential of sex. And that what that will do for a woman is keep her estrogen higher as well. So too much of a good thing is not a good thing and not an, a good thing is not a good thing. You have to find the right balance. And you can always be a little flexible in the whole thing, of course. But that's a general standard. Don't get pushed down by these rules in society. You should be having more sex. Actually, make sure your sex is quality rather than quantity. Wow. I, so one of the things I love about uh, interviewing you, John, is I always learn like 50 new things that I can test in my relationship that I never thought of before or heard before. And some of the stuff, when I hear it, I'm like, oh, I think I knew that, but I really didn't. But like, it's stuff that you think like, oh, you just would know that. But yeah, I mean, like, and I'm thinking of when you talked about um, like the, the difference between men with testosterone. And I just wouldn't have thought of it that way, like how, why one feels in the mood uh, always, or like always sort of ready. Uh, like <laughs> the idea that a female isn't in the mood because she's not there yet. But like, I just, I never, I mean, it seems like you, it would be common sense, but as we said, common sense isn't common practice, right? So even though it seems like common sense, I know that I, ha I haven't been actually thinking that in my relationship. Well, that's what I do. I'm just a common sense guy down to earth. I, well, I know I, that. I did, I did this in 20 minutes. Now you got to finish up here so I could 
fulfilled my goal. <laughs> yeah, hundred uh, percent. So that I mean, that's I love that. I love keep me accountable uh, because I'm that I'm that social person too that loves great conversation. So John, uh, last question that I promised is simply uh, with the book that you mentioned, the current book that you're really focused on now. How can people get it? Where can they follow you? All that kind of good stuff. Yeah, it's called Beyond Mars and Venus, and. It's usually sold out in all bookstores, but you can certainly get it at, at Amazon and you can read about it and you can also order it through MarsVenus.com. But I've got so many great blogs and they're also only five or 10 minutes for, for your crowd of 20 minute people. <laughs> so it's great. They're really good. My daughter does the best one. She does it as well. And this is uh, MarsVenus.com. Go there and get a free workshop. It's right there on the front page. Uh, it's wonderful. And we have other courses you can take as well. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.